Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, we are diving into the whimsical world of ugly cute, a phenomenon that's turning heads and challenging our conventional notions of beauty. From green fish headgear to the love for pugs and bulldogs, what's deemed ugly cute has been capturing hearts across the globe. And what's the charm of ugly cute? Is it their novelty, their uniqueness, or a deeper psychological appeal? And we discuss how rock climbing is changing the way young people in China engage with fitness, nature, and each other. Dubbed as meditation on the wall, this sport offers a special mix of physical challenge and mental serenity. It's not just about reaching the top. It's about the journey of overcoming personal barriers and discovering a sense of community possibly along the way. How does this sport help introverts come out of their shells? How does it transform the way we interact and view our daily stresses? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. Now on Roundtable as we continue today's discussion. From the sold-out Beijing Winter Olympics mascot Bing Dunduan to Disney's top starlet Lenabelle, it's evident that people have a natural inclination towards cute things. However, in a surprising shift, today's young people are embracing a new trend that leans more towards the ugly than the cute. This includes items such as green fish headgear, a pink brain beanie that closely resembles a human brain, and bouquets made of dishwashing wire balls. These unconventional items, which starkly contrast conventional ideas of beauty, are becoming increasingly popular among younger generations. On social media platforms, topics such as Ugly Cute and the Ugly Things Challenge have garnered over 60 million views. So tell us how popular it is, and um, shower us with ugly examples is what I'm looking forward to as well. Hmm. (laughs) Yes, first of all, we know that there is a kind of ugly things contest held by e-commerce platform Taobao, where any netizen can actually submit their entries or their ugly collections. And this contest has been held for consecutive four years, actually. And uh, there are groups called Ugly Things Protection Association on social media platform Douban, and it boasts 245,000 members. And also on lifestyle sharing platform Xiaohongshu, the topics about ugly things and ugly things contest have accumulated over 60 million views. So some people believe that these items are not entirely ugly, but rather possesses a cute or charming element. Mm. Um, So the term ugly cute has become a perfect description for these things. Right. So chomeng is the Chinese term. And yes, Josh, you've done some research and you are faced with a whole bunch of uh, ugly cute images. So give us the examples, please. Yeah, sure. So the first one that we have here is the green fish headgear. Um, and this is something quite strange, quite, I mean, it says it in the title really, but it's apparently something 
that allows young people to express themselves. Uh, it's a it's a pretty ugly looking thing, but um, again, I, I guess I can see why it has its appealing elements. Um, and we can discuss maybe the psychology behind it afterwards, but I'll give you some more example. There's also the brain hat, which is a hat made of pink yarn in the shape of human brain, which is pretty strange. Um, there's the green frog costumes, which are, um, I've seen a lot of these. These are really, really popular all over social media. Um, there's like just so many videos of people walking around the street dressed in these frog costumes and um, the frog often looks really depressed sort of looking at the ground um, and selling its, uh, kids. it's very very strange but yeah super super viral right now um, there's also a frog shaped spoon which is green and it has big eyes and an open mouth a lot of frog stuff actually I <laughs> right. noticed um in and because but i think frogs have always acquired this space right as the sort of ugly cute things they're kind of gross in some way but also very cute and adorable in another way right it's like you want to see pictures of them but and that green fog meme that is quite popular that always uh, looks sad but express people's actual feelings online yes 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 the meme yeah there's a lot of frogs in memes right but you know mm. if a frog actually jumped on you a lot of people would probably scream because it's all <laughs> sticky and slimy right mm. but anyway um there's also a golden umbrella mm -hmm. um which is like an umbrella with a crown on the top um and curtains hanging from the edges um that's supposed to look like an ancient chinese emperor's hat mm. um so yeah and also apparently there's some ugly things that you can um see in museum um products so for example the bronze galloping horse um which is from the gansu provincial museum um which is sort of a uh, no offense to the museum or the horse but it's pretty ugly weird looking thing uh from the picture you know it, it looks like it's been sort of shocked by an electric shock or something it's it's galloping in quite a strange way i don't know if it's just a, a poorly designed um you know sculpture or if if that's you know what the horse was going through a really difficult time when it was being uh, uh built but yeah and there's also a doll that's modeled after the museum's prized possession the bronze galloping horse um and uh yeah according to media it's been reported that the shelves has sold over 100,000 units of this model mm. Mm. and immediately i think of the adage beauty is in the eye of the beholder and ugliness is also in the eye of the beholder. Just out of the examples that you both just gave, I mean, a couple of them to me are slightly cute and other are just plain gross. <laughs> and the uh, golden umbrella example, mm. to me, that's just maybe a little bit too, a little bit tacky, mm. but it's not gross or offensively ugly. And um, so it's really interesting to see like, okay, if we may still sort of stick with the more conventional aesthetic lens on this, then what is driving this shift towards embracing the so-called ugly cute? Is it a rebellion against traditional beauty norms, a quest for humor in daily life, or is there like deeper societal commentary? What do you think? Yes, but before that, I would like to explain a little bit about that bronze galloping horse because it is actually stepping on a swallow. So originally, it's supposed to, you know, express 
the actually the emotion of this horse being so natural and being so energetic. So that's why I think, Josh, you look at it and uh, it looks like oh, a little bit electrified. I've, I've completely <laughs> misinterpreted this piece of art. But yeah. anyway, that kind of product that imitate this figure, I think it is, you know, actually expressing kind of a cute image of it. But anyway, I think these things that is showing that kind of, uh, you know, ugly, cute style, some characters, some patterns, even though they do not conform to the current so-called fashionable aesthetic or beautiful aesthetic. But I think they're so down to earth and, you know, so close to our everyday life. And some of them can even evoke some memories. So rather than being ugly things, it is more accurate to say they're more, you know, endearing things. And um, they can bring people a kind of warm feeling and uh, familiarity. Right, those things do explain. Hmm. But the ugly, uh, sorry, <laughs> the green fish head gear. Oh. I don't see any cultural references there. And it's just spooky. And I find it difficult to stare in the eye of whoever's wearing this. Yes, about that, I also have something to say. Um, Please do. <laughs> many ugly things come with a sense of humor and can actually help people, especially young people, combat what we call that kind of weariness brought about by their stresses of life. So some netizens say spending a little money to buy an ugly item can bring them joy for a long time. So what is ugly, what is beautiful, perhaps there is no definite answer, but mm -hmm. a design that brings joy is undoubtedly a good design. But about that headgear, I think it's more about a mask, you know, people with that mask, they can express themselves more bravely and they can basically have that courage to do something that they used to think that is awkward to do. So they are having a disguise with that mask, I think. Well, I think that there's a lot of humor and playfulness in ugly sort of scary things. And I think sometimes it crosses over a lot because if you look mm. at the horror genre, specifically film and TV, you'll notice that a lot of characters in scary films and in scary fiction are also some of these quite playful things like clowns or dolls or people laughing and having a good time, right? Being cute, right? There's often, I think, quite a bit of a, a crossover there between those two sort of styles. So um, I think that there's some humor and playfulness in ugliness and even in some stuff that looks pretty horrifying because um, I think that when something's un conventional or quite strange um it's a little bit you know innocent really uh, or there's sort of a lack of threat there i think sometimes um in this novelty and uniqueness because again when you see something that's quite perfect or very good looking you know this can equally be quite uncomfortable sometimes for you right if you mm. ever sit down next to you know like i don't know a, a really I don't know how to say this properly, really, but I'm thinking of some movies as well that where the main character is quite a horrifying character and they're very perfect or very good looking, you know, or something like this. This can this can make us feel pretty uncomfortable sometimes, you know, but then we just see something that's just outright ugly and, you know, just makes you feel good about yourself sometimes. I don't know. It's nice to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like the underdog effect. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Like the idea of. Um, you know, rooting for something lower uh, than you or unconventional when something's ugly or they're uh, not as able, then I think humans, we have a natural inclination to sort of, you know, boost them and 
give them jail, you know, something like this. So give them a positive emotional response. Yeah, pump up the gas, add some oil, that kind of thing. And there's definitely a psychological appeal to imperfection if sometimes a bit of an oddity in a way. I mean, just as we often find endearing qualities in the flaws of those we love, ugly, cute items may attract us through their imperfections, making them seem more approachable and maybe relatable. And also um, engaging with ugly, cute items can evoke a complex mix of emotions, such as amusement, sympathy, or endearment. And this complexity can be more emotionally satisfying or engaging than simpler, more conventional forms of cuteness. I'm thinking of Hello Kitty and a lot of the other I mean, this is not like which is better, but, you know, more of those like round, innocent looking (laughs) things. Yes. And also, possibly this is an expression of individuality and nonconformity. Choosing ugly, cute items distinguishes, you know, this person from others. Mm. It's a form of self-expression that celebrates uniqueness and the idea that not all beauty fits into a conventional mold and that I can always cheer on for. But also just by looking at some of these examples, some of them are kind of extreme. But the frog um, outfits that you both mentioned, I'm thinking it looks kind of similar to the star of Sesame Street. Yeah, I know. If you... (laughs) Okay, I just created like major offense, you know, (laughs) felony. (laughs) Do you mean the Muppets? Do you mean Kermit the Frog? Yes, I didn't want to say it in the same sentence because I know a lot of people hold him so dearly to (laughs) the heart and I'm saying that, oh, you're possibly ugly cute or more tilting towards the ugly. I'm just saying that, you know, this is ugly or cute or beautiful or ugly or whatnot. These terms can be completely in fluidity when and subjective to the eyes who are looking at it. Yeah, I don't know whether you grew up watching Sesame Street or or not. And my gut feeling is telling me yes, Josh. (laughs) No, actually, he's one of the Muppets. It's not Sesame Street. Really? Okay, sorry. uh, Yeah, that's okay. But I Although I wasn't a fan of it, I do. And I think, though, that's his character is that he is the underdog, is that he's not this <laughs> dashing, strong, you know, stereotypical caricature mm-hmm. of the alpha male, you know, that's uh, always winning. He is always sort of a bit down on his look and he's got a funny voice and, you know, he's flailing his arms around and, and stuff like this. So you root for him, you know, you mm-hmm. root for him. He is the underdog. So I think that your comparison is, is pretty accurate. Well, thank you. But also, to be fair, is anybody attractive on The Muppet Show? (laughs) Such mean spirits coming from today's show from me. I'm sorry about that. Maybe that's the whole point, you know? Like to, oh yeah, and like Avenue Q, you know, okay, that's probably not a show for uh, underage children, but... uh, But yes, there is something of a charm when it comes to looking at not picture-perfect characters. And is there a science that explains how and why we feel this way? Mm, When we're talking about it, we talk about ugly or cute or ugly cute. This is primarily related to people's liking 
for cute things, actually. The scientific name for this is baby schema. We experience an emotional pull to things with, you know, exaggerated features. Some of them we mentioned before, like a large head, big eyes, and a round face or bodily shape, because they remind us of babies. And in species whose young depend on care, notes one study, such bias could be adaptive and enhance offspring survival. So, in other words, the way we, you know, notice, fawn over, and feel the need to care for cute baby-shaped things is an evolutionary response that ensures our survival. So, as it turns out, these maybe ugly items or ugly animals also have baby schema, meaning that we can't help but be attracted to them, even if. We're also repulsed when we're looking at it. So, this instinct seems to be global as well. So, in Japan, you know, land of huge-eyed anime and Hello Kitty,、mm-hmm. right? Ugly cute also has its own name, which is Kimo Kawaii. So, Kimo means scary or creepy, and Kawaii, of course, everybody is always cute. So, it is you know kind of a scientist-backed theory and.、Um, Yeah, I think it makes sense when people are, you know, looking at these big-eyed, what was that, doe-eyed tarsiers or round-eyed jumping spiders. Some of them think they're cute. Some of them, of course,、uh, you know, if you are scared of spiders, will think they're, you know, the worst thing in the world. But anyway,、mm. do you agree with this, Josh? I mean, the baby schema explanation I can understand when it comes to conventional cute things. But when something horrifying and everything screams from your background says that this is ugly, it has big eyes, big body, round face, resembles of a baby, but just the most undesirable type that you would never see in real life,、um, and that makes you feel an affection towards it.、Uh, do you agree? <laughs> well, I think sometimes because, I mean, really, what we're talking about here is is empathy, right? And And a desire to take care of something that obviously looks like it needs help, right? And I think a lot of these items, a lot of these things that we're looking at, often they look like they need help. And we all have different degrees of empathy depending on our own personal experiences, right? Some people have something natural about them; they might be drawn particularly to a certain kind of thing that makes them, you know, empathize with them and want to take care of them, feel sorry for them. Even、mm-hmm. I think a lot of these cute things actually. Um, what we—the reason we find these ugly items really cute—is because we feel bad for them, you know. And it just depends on your level of empathy. Maybe you have such empathy that you can find this horrific, you know, thing. <laughs> like you can—you want to take care of it, you know. You want to feed it or something. I don't know.、Mm. <laughs> like, okay. Well,、yeah. this can lead us to one controversial. Example, because I know this will divide up our listeners immediately. You're either in camp love or camp hate. So, what about pugs and bulldogs? You know, those who love it. You know, treat it as the princeling of the family, and those who don't like it simply just don't want to look at it. You know, for another second. And this is also one of those really classic examples of、uh, ugly cute. And also, what about the、uh, blobfish? How can I describe this? Well, this is apparently the world's ugliest animal. Immediately, I feel sorry for it.、Um, it's from the deep, deep sea, and 
it has a flabby face that's equal parts horrifying and maybe hilarious. And uh, it's got such little muscle. So basically, it collapses into a gelatinous, sad-looking mess. And people apparently love it too. Well, some do, because it's considered ugly cute. So yes, we're exploring the intriguing ugly beauty trend, and it's reshaping how we perceive beauty and self-expression. It's evident that our affection for these quirky creatures and items goes beyond surface-level aesthetics, and this trend highlights the fascinating interplay between our evolutionary instincts and modern culture expressions. It teaches us that sometimes the most endearing things in life defy conventional standards of beauty, reminding us to appreciate the diversity city that enriches our world. And here's to celebrating the odd, the unconventional, and the irresistibly ugly cute. Coming up next, whether you are an indoor enthusiast or an outdoor conqueror, rock climbing offers a unique way to keep your heart, body, and mind in top shape. Let's delve into how the sport can elevate your fitness and provide an incredible mental workout. And also, please stay safe. We'll talk about this right after this break. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, Hood Young. I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. If you like your workouts mixed with adventure and adrenaline, then rock climbing may be the sport for you. Whether you're climbing at an indoor rock gym or on real rock faces in the great outdoors, that sounds dangerous, you'll work muscles you never knew you had, and you'll be surprised how fast you'll break a sweat when you're moving slow. To be safe, you need to know what you're doing. So start by taking lessons at a rock climbing gym. And we are seeing a whole bunch of Chinese people doing so. Young Chinese Gen Zers have taken up rock climbing outside of school and work. So tell us how popular it is, rock climbing these days. Mm, first of all, we can see it is listed as an official event for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and the 2024 Paris Olympics. Rock climbing is also undergoing rapid development in China. The topic rock climbing has been viewed over 350 million times on the lifestyle sharing app Xiaohongshu. And the General Administration of Sports of China estimates the current number of rock climbers in China to be around 500,000, and there are nearly 600 commercial rock climbing gyms across the country. Mm -hmm. So according to Dianping, which is China's equivalent app of Yelp, Shanghai has over 170 indoor climbing gyms, while Beijing has 165. And uh, we can see the popularity of rock climbing has also been witnessed by some practitioners. One 42-year-old practitioner, Zhang, discovered that the rock climbing community is growing very fast. And he said that previously there were mostly the same old faces in the rock climb gym, but now I can see many new faces every week. Hmm. Josh, could you provide us with an example of how people are really taking this up or how some of these rock climbing venues have evolved in recent years? Mm -hmm. In 2021, the Rock Climbing Association at Shanghai's Fudan University was part of the Mountaineering Association, 
But actually, due to the growing number of members with a preference for rock climbing, the group became an independent entity. And now the university's gym has an old climbing wall. So the association's daily practice is held at the Climbing Factory, which is a commercial climbing gym about an hour's metro ride from the campus. And since the opening of that gym three years ago, the Climbing Factory has grown to become um, what most believe to be Shanghai's largest venue of its kind with over, over 1,000 climbers. University students um, and also those aged 35 to 40 are the most avid devotees. Mm. Um, and according to Zhang Yue, who's the coach at the Climbing Factory, currently Shanghai does not have a venue that has similar conditions to ours. So most rock climbing fans will come to our place, which uh, of course he'll probably say that, but <laughs> it seems from these uh, stats that uh, it may be true. Yes, and on social media platforms, many people refer to rock climbing as meditation on the wall. Mm. What do these folks find in rock climbing that is so special? Um, first of all, I think that a lot of people are saying that it is kind of a wonderland for introverted people. I kind of agree because, you know, it's truly different from these teamwork games like soccer or basketball. When you're rock climbing, you need a quiet moment to just enjoy the progress that only you can understand about yourself, right? So though an introvert by nature, a climber called Yu says she enjoys the social environment rock climbing provides, which means if you want to climb, then you can climb. If you want to talk with the people who have the same interests, you can talk with them. And also about the meditation part, people say it is kind of a dynamic meditation because I think, yeah, when you're rock climbing, you are forcing yourself to concentrate on the task at your hand, mm -hmm. such as figuring out the next move, right? Mm -hmm. So you have no energy left to actually think about the trivial matters of your life or your work pressures and such. So this is what is known as, I think, entering the flow state. Mm -hmm. I think that is kind of a moment or state of mind that people would want if they want to relieve some stress. Mm. So I agree that it can give people a healing sensation. Mm. So people say that, you know, through rock climbing, you're going to make physical and mental gains. Josh, could you just uh, provide us with a little bit more of your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, rock climbing is well known to give a full body workout. It's pretty primitive, a lot of these movements, you know, and it's the kind of natural movements and um, strength training and flexibility and endurance training that we have been using for, you know, since we've been apes or whatever you believe us to have been. So I think that it's it's really good for a full body workout and it's uh, gonna uh, give quite a natural, uh, an all round and body weight sort of exercise. So it's tremendously good for, for strength. And also you mentioned psychologically as well, um, definitely not just about physical strength. It's also, it also involves problem solving um, and you have to strategize the best route possible. Mm. So there's a lot of gratification and competition involved too. Yes, and it's a real big confidence builder if you manage to reach the top. But yeah, for someone who's never tried this, just getting started sounds a bit daunting, but apparently enthusiasts say that, you know, just go to a rock climbing gym and um, more often than not, you will be greeted by um, friendly 
devotees and um, give yourself a try, but always stay safe, okay, and stick with the professionals for the instructions. Okay, so keep climbing, keep thriving, and I just want to leave this with you. The greatest ascents are achieved one hold at a time. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Yushun, for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. <laughs>